As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Anyway, she goes to bed. I open up a box of apartments. I light up. I call myself a cognac. And I watch the 14 fists of McCluskey. What a picture. Yo, homie, is that my briefcase? Couldn't start asking the right fucking questions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to part two of a No Country for Old Men conversation with my incredibly talented friends. One is uh, an award-winning writer and my amazing soon-to-be collaborator and the host of the most insightful and thoughtful film podcast on the internet. And I say that as a podcast impresario. I didn't call myself that. Someone wrote about it. His name is Bill Gabiri. Now, so... That is Jen Johans. Jen, thank you so much for coming back and talking about this. Thank you so much. That's just way too kind of you. You have the most thoughtful <laughs> podcast. Come on uh, here, Blake. The most, the most <laughs> obsessive, yes. The most thoughtful, no. And and secondly, uh, we're, we're back with our brother from another mother, the soon-to-be outlandishly sought-after author of Everybody Knows and Last King of California, the heir apparent to James Elroy, Jordan Harper, is back with us today. Hello, sir. Oh, shucks. Hey, it's great <laughs> to see you both, as always. So yeah. good to see you, but we better get talking because I am old and I am not well. We are back <laughs> talking about No Country for Old Men, a movie that we, I think, collectively think is perfect. We got to the end of our conversation and we promised each other that we would get back together. And I wasn't sure when it was going to be because we're very busy, you know, we're heading in towards the end of the year and we're going to try and get, get together. Uh, and then one of our dear friends who has certainly has a way with words, Mr. Sean Burns, the terrific and insightful Bostonian film critic said, can you guys hurry up and talk again? Because I've never had a worst case of podcasting blue balls. And he always knows how to turn a phrase. So we're back. There's so much that, you know, I had a few things left on my notepad. I'm sure you guys had a few things that we, we maybe didn't extensively cover. We sort of were joking at the end of the last episode about Carla Jean's mother. But before we get to Carla Jean's mother, I, I want to talk to you guys because we didn't talk about this. I love good 
DIY surgery in movies. Like I, I, they're one of my sort of favorite things and, and also bad ones are very fun as well. Cause they're so silly. Um, I, I like to think of the Prometheus, uh, like DIY alien abortion scene and stitch yourself up as like one of the gnarliest things I've ever seen at the movies, but the DIY surgery in no country for old men is yet another wrinkle of why this movie is so amazing and so detailed because like you're pulling shotgun shells out of yourself. You're, you know, you're, you're, you've got to, you're, you're pulling, uh, you're excising bullet parts, injecting Novocaine, all these things that are happening to do it. And I just, the agonizing spacing and pacing of those scenes makes it go like, I actually don't know how people could possibly self-operate. You know, there's another great movie that we all love. I think Ronan where my Robert's boyfriend a- from childhood, yes. <laughs> yeah, Jen's <laughs> childhood boyfriend, Robert De Niro is getting John Renault to help him pluck a yes. bullet out of his guts. And even that's one of those scenes where like first time I've seen in a movie where they sort of realistically approach the concept of someone actually having to help other people operate on themselves. Cause he's like, oh, I'm going to pass out now. Like he's like, he's, he's in agony. He looks, disgusting mm-hmm. pallor in his face. But I, I love that about this movie. I know he still looks good. He, oh yeah, he's spunky ass. It was peak the near <laughs> era. But I, I love that about this movie. I wonder if you guys have had a chance to think about that or ever thought that while you've watched it. Well, I, I'd like to start out with a with a public service announcement, if I could, um, for anybody listening at home. If you are shot and you cannot go to the police, leave the bullet alone. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, that's <laughs> there true. is no reason to remove a bullet mm-hmm. that is inside you because it's done the damage it's going to do. In fact, you're going to do a lot more damage by going in there, digging yes. around and doing stuff out. They actually, you know, if you're not bleeding out and no, no major organs are damaged, the real danger that you're in is because uh, the bullet, which is sterile because of the heat from the barrel, is going to go inside you and it's going to take the clothing with you. Yes. yes. And it's that clothing that gets inside your body that is the real danger of infection. So you're going to want to clean that wound out the best you can. And you're going to want to try and score some antibiotics, which I believe Shigura does while he's uh, also getting his pain pills and whatnot. And then you're going to want to leave that bullet alone. Um, and uh, <laughs> I uh, not not meaning to turn this into a plug, but in She Rides Shotgun, I do have a, a self-surgery scene where uh, Nate, aided by Polly, has to deal with a gunshot wound. But they do as a... As you should make the the correct choice of leaving the bullet alone. You deal with the uh, deal with a little ointment. You get you get some uh, cleaning done, and you stop the bleeding. Put a bandage in there, and then you you let it go. And in fact, and this happens in the novel, but this is uh, it's a very small thing in the novel. But I just think it's the creepiest thing that really happens is uh, in due time, the bullet may just come out on its own. It'll work its way out of your flesh, and and you'll have a little bump on your skin and. That'll be your body slowly rejecting the bullet. And this is over, you know, weeks or months or something like that. So um, that's, you know, I do, I, but I also just, and I know I'm, I'm monologuing here, but I, uh, I do love self-surgery scenes because they are just um, such a, uh, you know, you have those classic dramatic conflicts of man versus nature, man versus man, man versus self and uh, man versus operation is, is, a, <laughs> is a really, really good one that, that I think we all enjoy. I've probably had the most surgery of the group. I think I've had nine at this point. Oh, Actually, wow. what was funny is in 2019, I had um, a surgery, a small one, 
And while I was recovering is when I read She Rides Shotgun and became a huge Jordan Harper fan. This was a couple months before, weirdly, we met on Twitter and then we met Blake and didn't realize all knew each other, which was very cool. Um, but yeah, one other thing, I actually rewatched the movie today because I'm a total nerd and Anton's version of the tent poles, I think, is when he uses the hanger and that little bit of... Uh, shirt essentially to rig that car to explode when he has to go in and get his diy stuff essentially and so i love that that's another link and i'm like oh okay the hanger it's like you know rolling in those tent poles definitely <laughs> and and plucking brolin's grubbier version of it at the beginning yes. is him on the hill mm -hmm. pulling the um the shell the sort of yes. like blasted shell out of his shoulder and, mm -hmm. and then Anton's is so elaborate. Like that's, that's also why I love it is like the elaborate nature of like, he, he's, he's squirting the, the, um, the numbing agent, whatever it is into the lidocaine. wound and then, yeah, the mm -hmm. lidocaine and then on the exterior parts of it. And it's just like, and then there's that one moment where he's like finished the surgery and he just gets a needle and like sticks it in his leg and like lays back on the bed. Like I'm going to pass out now. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's. It's just one other gruesome aspect of the toll of this movie. Like, even though these are the main characters and they're still in it and that there is nothing more that I hate in a contemporary action film, unless it's sort of a fantasy, but there's nothing more that I hate than like when you watch like the rock and Vin Diesel punch each other 48 times. And the only thing <laughs> that is there is sweat. And you're mm -hmm. like, no, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's fists are all torn up. Yeah, Everything should be bloody and hands swollen, nose clothes broken, ruined. teeth missing. Like it's you've, you've got a flurry of 10 or seven, 10 or so punches probably between two people before a really good one happens. And then someone's out of there. So yeah, it's a, that's what I love about this movie is like, although we don't get a lot of physical face to face, mano y mano altercations the the toll of this battle between these two people is great and i, I find him finally tagging shagur actually makes you just for a brief second believe that he's not satan incarnate even though he is satan <laughs> incarnate the fact that he's wounded is like actually wow you know it's it's the if if he bleeds we can kill it sort of predator moment of this movie which is gives you this false hope which is you know excellent which is at the end of the day an unproven sentiment it's well he can bleed but the question still remains of can you kill him yeah um I yeah, mean, he, sure, sure. He, yeah he exits the movie with a bone sticking out of him and and you get the sense you do not think he's in trouble you think your assumption watching him is, is that he, he will get out all commerce yeah. <laughs> yeah here's my question and, and i guess uh, i didn't rewatch the entire i did want to say oh, go one ahead, thing please. really quick oh, no, about yeah, actually bringing up the whole we see them bloody when they fight moment kind of reminded me of a movie I made you guys watch in film club, which was Man of the West, because you actually see like Gary Cooper get exhausted and get, you know, like yeah. midway. It's a two minute fight and you're seeing blood and like stuff is torn and they are they are catching their breaths almost like a makeout or something like they've been going at it so long they can't breathe. And I love that it's a Western thing. We also see it in a couple John Wayne pictures, which is kind of interesting because you would imagine that he wouldn't like that very much. So it's another thing this movie does have in common with the Western is we see some blood and grit. Yeah. And I'm so glad that 
this movie, unlike the Fast and the Furious, that Fast and the Furious fight scene only reminds me of one other fight scene. And it's when the Busby Berkeley dancers fight the Cowboys in Blazing Saddles. Um, and <laughs> that's that that that's the only fight scene that it reminds me of, of, you know, Cowboys invading a, a gay Busby Ber- Berkeley musical and then walking off to the commissary arm in arm together. Um, so sorry, Jordan, you're about to say yeah, something. Jordan, I oh, apologize. No, 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 please. Thank you for, for jumping in. Um, don't let me monologue. Uh, no, I was just saying, I, I didn't rewatch the entire film, but I rewatched like the last 25 minutes and I ended up watching the scene, uh, the final like uh, scene in the motel room in the dark uh, multiple yeah. times because I don't think I've ever truly grasped what happens in that scene. And I want to know what your opinion is because there's an impossibility yes. um, in that scene where you, you clearly see Anton Chigurh standing where when the door opens, it should hit him and then he is just gone. And so, you know, my question is, 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 is the vision of Anton in that shot? Is that imagination? Is that, uh, you know, Tom Bell just imagining that Sugar is there or does Sugar disappear? I'm floating between, I've had really weird and different aversion impressions of that scene. And I think it's just like, I think now where I'm at is, in the anticipation of knowing what Tom Ed Tom Bell's going to do, he's gone before the door kick is the only way that I've been able to rationalize it because the movies yes. are grounded in a reality that he's like, he's anticipating, he looks at, you know, Ed Tom Bell, like sick, he's gone up, you know, out and up, you know, about to enter. And in that moment, like he exits, you know, not, not through the gift shop, but like exits through the back of that apartment building or the, you know, the back window, he just escapes out of the back of the apartment because there's, that's the other thing I've always thought is like, well, if he's still behind the door, there's no shadow of him leaving. Like he doesn't Mm -hmm. sneak out of the door because the light is so critical to lighting the scene. I agree Um, with you. Yeah. yeah, I always think he leaves before, but Mm -hmm. that scene, like when I watched this movie, because I've watched it so many times before we spoke last time, that's the scene I rewound because I didn't realize and maybe it's because I've got a, a new TV in my office, which is beautiful. <laughs> and so I was watching yes. this and, and I just can't get over the reflection on the innards of, mm-hmm. the, of the door handles at each other. And I'm just like, oh, this is, I you forget like proximity wise, like this is, just, they know each other are there. And it's almost yeah. like a silent agreement. Anton knows mm-hmm. he's there. Ed knows he's there and he's looking at it. And that agonizingly long time in the movie before he even decides to pull out his gun. When he pulls out his gun, he leaves. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like, this is one last bit of trouble that I don't need. I've got mm-hmm. what I came for. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because they do take pains to to make clear that they show the the window in the bathroom and that it's mm. clearly locked. So. Oh, is it? I can't, yeah. I can't, yeah. See, I don't. Interesting. I, yeah. Okay. I've always, I thought he exited out the window. That's always my impression. I've got to go back and watch I mean, the scene. Unless, unless I, yeah, we should look at it again. Cause I, my impression of it was they were showing that the window was locked. Yeah. Um, okay. And that creates an impossibility. Now, if I'm wrong and it's showing that the window was unlocked, then of course. Uh, there you go. Uh, and true. again, I, I, you know, I don't think it's not something that you need to like uh, put your thumb on and, and say, well, this whole thing is a dream or something like that. But it, it is, interesting uh because it's it's the 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 last of this movie is a series of anti-climaxes and mm-hmm. uh, yeah and, you don't and, see a showdown you don't see yep 
yeah, any you don't comeuppance. Yep. Yeah, you don't see any comeuppance. Um, they even uh, and I, I'm forgetting everybody's names today, but uh, uh, my God, uh, Kelly, right? Um, Kelly McDonald is that the actress? Mm -hmm. Oh, Kelly yeah, Jane. Uh, Carla Jean, thank you. Uh, Carla Jean's scene, even though she's made her choice, and so I suppose the scene is over because she has made her choice not to play his game, uh, even that scene clicks out just a little early. Not that we need to see her die, and I'm not saying that, but it just feels like there's just one more beat that we don't see, you know? Um, and the one, just... beat, the one beat that took me, I reckon, five viewings to notice is that he mm. wipes his feet. Oh, Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. He has a thing about his feet and socks and shoes. Yeah. And, you know, this movie is kind of obsessed with that. I noticed um, when in the scene early on when Brolin is approaching the last man standing underneath the shady tree there, we see the man's boots and there are holes in the boots. And as Brolin actually approaches, you can see his shirt through the holes in that guy's boots. And I love that. Mm. Yeah. Ultima ombre. Oh, it's so yes. great. And, Must and have been foot, one. <laughs> foot health is paramount in the desert, right? Like it's like, yeah. he, you know, and he even like he even ruins a shirt when he loses his boots because he's got to dive through the water, you know, to to mm -hmm. get away from the attack dogs, from the pit bulls coming after him. But yeah, Jordan, I don't think that that's a bad reading at all. It could be like an echo, you know, because I think that, you know, yeah, Shigur does plague this movie like a race. So it doesn't, it, for me, if if that was completely imagined or if it was happening over different times or something and it wasn't in the reality as has sort of been established in the movie that wouldn't ruin my experience of it i i, no. I validate that reading completely because i think it's ed tom bell is haunted by this guy because that's the thing the whole movie is about being having lost like literalizing the having lost a step and so mm -hmm. he he's on his tail unlike anyone has ever been able to do because this guy is like pure unpredictability. And then he gets to that moment and he's staring there and, you know, it could be totally metaphysical. And if it is, I love this movie almost more. I think if it is that it's either or reading, I, I kind of love. Yeah. Little magical realism just thrown in there. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that. Yeah. And you brought up last time, Blake, the sound and the mm. score or the lack thereof. And so I was very, um keen on listening for that this time around there is you do hear a little couple notes like a chord essentially yeah. right after the soul at hazard mm -hmm. uh voiceover at the beginning when the car door shuts and they're on their way to the sheriff station i believe it is and you do hear like a chord and that's mm -hmm. about it but one of the other sound effects that really stuck out this time uh, probably because I'm a godfather head. But when we were talking about that shot, when he kills the deputy who thought he had it under control, you hear the sound of a train and it keeps mm. getting louder. And that kind of reminded me of the godfather. Yeah. You know, you hear the train uh, and you see Pacino's face as he's like calculating what he's going to do. And in film school, my professor, Daryl, who's a very good friend of mine, actually kind of he ruined that moment for me forever because when we were watching it in class, he was saying how uh, it's like the Bruce Springsteen lyric, you know, freight train running through the middle of my head. <laughs> and so, so now every time I watch The Godfather, I think of that. But I was thinking of that this time when we were hearing the train, like calculating and there's a death. Yeah. 
I, yeah, I've never noticed that. I, I, I would love to, well, I don't have a great sound system at home and it, it's one of the things I dream about is really setting up one of those great ones. Cause I, I mean, I must've seen this in the movie theater. I never noticed there was a train in that scene. I, now I want to go back and watch that. Well, you know, yeah. when we I'll build, help you set up when, next when time we, in when LA. We sound geek. When we build the compound, <laughs> when we build this home cinema in Jordan's yes. future compound, we'll just make sure it's got yeah all the bells and whistles, all the bells and whistles. Um, Someday. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this is by virtue of the fact of being a dad and my family going to bed. Sometimes I've got really terrific. There's like Sony like noise canceling Bluetooth headphones. And so if I'm ever watching something that I can stream, I can just like, if the, if I want to watch it really loud and I don't want to disturb the entire family or wake the neighborhood with loud stuff, I have that on. And some of that, sometimes it's actually creepier because you hear these things in the deepest recesses of the soundscape and you can hear them and they kind of like appear to you. It's, it's pretty brilliant, but no, I, the next sound that freaks me out, Janet, it's so funny that it's a freight train, but then it's the sound of boot rubber scraping mm. linoleum yes. floor or whatever mm -hmm. it is vinyl floors that is just outrageous yeah in that, in that scene it's just completely mm -hmm. disturbing and then someone's throat being pierced that's the other thing in this movie is like there may not be a score but there's like the yep. score of real life trucks trucks mm -hmm. moving horses clomping background noise yeah. in a cafe it's... and they crank up the sound of air right before he kills the first guy yeah. with that air gun. Mm. Like you hear it very loudly, yeah. more than you hear it through the rest of the movie. I noticed. Yeah. 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 It's really, it's really wonderful. Yeah. That, that, that final sequence that you talked about, Jordan is a series of deflations because it's also that idea of like that. And it's kind of, in another movie that we love and we've talked about, I think on our film club and stuff like that, like the, you know, Clint, Eastwood's Unforgiven, where mm -hmm. you go to see the cowboy that's out to pasture who gets brought back and it's a trope and it's the most unglamorous thing ever. You know, Will Money is like getting knocked mm -hmm. over by pigs and they're trying to separate them and 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 his 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 son is much younger because he's much older, is is trying to help him out and do his best. And it's sort of they're all over the place. But that's he goes to visit his dad. And his dad's out to pasture. You know, he doesn't have anything in his life yes. after like decades of being a lawman. He's just by himself with a bunch of stray cats in this disgusting hovel of a place. And so it's even more, I don't know, like emotionally retching that he's about to retire. Even though he has a beautiful wife with his beautiful life with his wife, Ed Tom Bell, that is, you kind of see that like there's not like this big uh, fanfare for you after like decades of being a sheriff and a lawman and all this. It's kind of like very Cormac McCarthy, straight face pragmatist, you know, about it. It's like, no, he just, he's an old man. Doesn't really have a great relationship with his family. He's going to live by himself. He's going to read letters. He's going to put a coffee pot on once a week. Disgusting. And whether uh, it needs it or not, <laughs> whether it needs it or not. And yeah, it's that th there's those cascading scenes of like, did I just confront Shagor, but I've missed his echo. I'm going to go see my dad because I'm about to retire and retirement looks bleaker than ever. And then he has that, you know, extremely despondent dream of like carrying the torch, but he's extinguishing it. Like his whole, he's sitting from his kitchen table where he's retired. He's extinguishing this flame, um, but he's still dreaming about it, which is so beautiful. 
you just uh, you just made me remember. I have to pull up to get it exact here, but uh, a quote from Blood Meridian. Uh, you know, just to just keep the Cormac McCarthy really cheerful philosophy, um, <laughs> which is okay. Here, I got it. Um, the way of the world is to bloom and to flower and to die, but in the affairs of men, there is no waning, and the noon of his expression signals the onset of night. His spirit is exhausted at the peak of its achievement. His meridian is at once his darkening and the evening of his day. So uh, not a lot of hope for old age. <laughs> in, in that, um, that, uh, and it is because this is a movie. I, you know, I think we talked last time. I really enjoy the really reactionary talk that uh, Ed Tom Bell has with the other sheriff uh, in the diner about, okay. you know, it all goes to hell when you don't say sir, ma'am and all that. Um, but uh, the visit with, and I always thought that was his uncle, that his father yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. It's even kind of gloomier. Um yeah. is um I your wife wrote me. <laughs> you know, and he's tell he that's it gets confusing because he tells a story about his uncle. His uncle. Yeah, his uh, uncle. Okay. Your uncle was a da da da. Um but he, hey, his father... how you doing, Ellis? How you doing, Ellis? Yeah. <laughs> um his father tells him then that um there's nothing special about this moment. Like, you know, the entirety of the film is this idea of that things are getting worse, that 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 this new evil has come. It's money, it's drugs, it's people not saying sir and ma'am, it's green hair. And his dad says, it's none of that, you're old. <laughs> um, and this is what happens, is you're old. You know, you're old and you're not well. And, um, and it's a mistake. And you're overmatched. <laughs> yes. yes, that's the line, yeah. Um, yeah, and you're overmatched because that's what happens. You, yeah. you, you hit the, the, with the, you hit your noon and then you wane. And then like that, that there's a lot of uh, our America specifically, uh, you know, and, and just the modern culture of, of basically the denial of, of death. And, and that's expressed by an denial that there are phases in life. And the final phase is a decline. And that, um, you know, my God, I saw a picture of uh, not to pick on her Madonna, uh, yesterday yeah. where it's like madonna it's okay like you're like 75 like be 75 like it's okay and 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 there's something very much in the american spirit of, of trying to deny that and you know another uh quote that is like that uh uh that uh, that blood meridian quote is the f scott fitzgerald there are no second acts in american lives yes. uh which when people quote it, they always say it like they mean there are no comebacks, but that's not what the second act is. No, the second not act at all. Is the center? It's the it, it, he's saying basically it's a perfect pyramid. Uh, mm -hmm. In the American life, you have it, you lose it, and yep. there's no there's <laughs> well, no so, middle. Scorsese <laughs> certainly prescribes to that view. You have it, and then you lose it, and it's always mm -hmm. chaos and carnage all on the way down. Um, One. Oh, go ahead, please. Oh, no. One other thing I noticed this time is in that gas station scene that we all love so much and oh how that God. plays didn't out. We didn't really talk about this scene. Such yeah, a Gene Jones, so good. gas station proprietor. Yeah, I love it. And he puts the wrapper, he crumples up mm, that wrapper on the counter and it. we see a close-up of the wrapper and then it unfurls and we eventually see it kind of at its rightful size. Like, it sort of is an allegory or metaphor for what is happening. Like, 
yep, you know, evil is here and it's getting larger. He's in greater danger as this thing uh, continues on in that exchange, which is so bizarre, you know, like now is not a time. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, he's almost like being bitchy, picking a fight, you know, like <laughs> when your kid is, needs, it's, needs his nap and he hasn't had it, and you know, it's like everything is annoying or you're with somebody and you've been in the car too long and you're just like looking for something to set you off. Uh, yeah. It's almost like that's kind of their dynamic right there. It's just Anton's sort of being a bitch and looking for that little <laughs> that yeah, little he's, thing. He, it's funny because I read that when I watch it and I love everything you've said, Jen, and I agree, but it's like, I feel like Shigur feels like at that moment he's being charitable. He's like, oh, I, a should little just, bit. I should just kill you because your life's awful. You moved you married into here. It. You married, you married he, into he it. Chokes. Like, he chokes like, when he hears it. <laughs> so yes. you married into this, <laughs> this life. And there's nothing more like grating and disgusting with him about a low stakes conversation. That like, That's why he looks giddy and gleeful when he's sitting in front mm -hmm. of, um, when he's sitting in front of Carson Wells and he's like, like, is that the nature of this conversation? Like, he's so excited that like, he's about to murder this guy. And in these last moments, he's going to get some reality. And so it's almost like that's how he's manufacturing his realities because he gets to skip all of the, he gets to skip all of the facade of, you know, civil society when he's about to murder you because you're, you're going to start pleading. You can do this. It's not, it's not going to work. And, and that's also why he finds Carla Jean to be such a curio. Cause she's like, you're not, you know, the coin you decide. isn't, yes. isn't going to make this decision. <laughs> it's you that makes the decision. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I'll please yeah. go, Jen, go. No, I was just going to say, I love everything that you were saying about the gas station and him being kind of charitable, yes. like, you know, uh, thinking about the man's life. Because it is really eerie how the man doesn't do what everybody else does because he doesn't know exactly how much danger he's in. So he doesn't say, like, you don't have to do this, that kind of thing. I mean, he's more concerned, like, is everything OK? Or, you know, <laughs> are you all right? Kind of thing. But the man starts almost trying to validate his life to mm -hmm. him. Like, I had children. We lived here. And it reminded me of this really creepy experience I had once in uh, oh, the hospital with a nurse who I'm not saying she was like going to kill me or anything. Like, you know, she wasn't hopefully <laughs> yep. one of those nurses you see on a reality Can show. Can we all just say any conversation that starts with, I'm not sure they were going to kill me, <laughs> but, but. But, oh, my God, I was there for 24 hours for, like, a test. And she started to ask, like, the weirdest questions. Um, I was discharged. The doctor was, like, ready for me to go home in the morning. It was, like, a kidney disease test kind of thing. So all I had to do was be there overnight. So I should have, by all rights, been off at 10. This nurse was, like, asking me the weirdest questions. Do you have a pet? Do you live with anyone? Do you are you married? Do you have a boyfriend? Just like wanting to know how my like you have chronic health problems, like almost kind of weighing my life. Like, is it a good life? Does she? And it was so <laughs> fucking creepy. Like, I just the rest of the day, all I could think about is like, why is she 
you know, doesn't understand my life and is asking really weird questions. And so it kind of reminded me of this scene where you're sort of uh, validating back to the nurse, like, no, I don't have a husband, but my life is great, man. You know, like, come on. Yeah. And so this <laughs> poor guy is like, you know, I raised a family. We've only, you know, we've been here four years and it's, yeah, reminded me of that where you're like, is this person dangerous? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Well, laughs> Oh, go Jordan, please. No, just to, to go back to the unfurling of the peanut wrapper, which I which yeah. what I love about it is there's no meaning to it at all. And yet in the moment it feels just incredibly pregnant with importance. Yes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and it's it's that the unfurling of a peanut wrapper could feel ominous in, yeah. in the correct situation. If he is doing something charitable, he is doing that thing that you see sometimes in movies of 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 letting this person know that like there is more to, the, to your life than this mundane thing and that you are not appreciative of the fact that it will end and therefore you should be aware of things. And, you know, the peanut wrapper somehow, I just made this connection, connects to the idea of the coin itself, which he's like, don't put it in your pocket. Don't put yes. it in your pocket where it'll so get lucky. mixed up with the other coins. That's your lucky coin. Or like, it's like, because then it'll just seem like any other coin in the world, which yeah. it is. And then yeah. the funniest <laughs> facial expression of Yes. What he does with his eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. That, that scene or like raises them. Oh my God. Yeah. See, uh, this gets yeah, us go back to Carla Jean's mother because so many people I've spoken to who do really enjoy this movie, maybe not obsessively love it like the three of us, have spoken to me about Carla Jean's mother maybe being sort of like a grating outsider played by Beth Grant because she's so like, she's so she's such a colossal pain in the ass like she's such a like oh, oh, oh and she's like some people are like is she in a different movie and i'm like no are you not watching every character that is on the fringes of this movie like mm -hmm. just shooting out for the territories are you well <laughs> you know like that guy. i love that guy i love, I love that, that i love the chicken guy he's well oh my god well i i've not yet deployed you should shoot now for the territories, right? Like enough, and I want to. Um, yeah. There's so many yeah. of these random people, yeah. and even the guy when, um, when Llewellyn walks back in to get clothes, and he walks back in, and the guy's like, he's like, he's like, oh, how are the boots going? He's like bloodied up, basically naked, yes. and he's like, how are the boots going? Oh, they're good. I need everything else. And he goes, how often do people just walk in here like this? And he goes, oh no, no, sure, it's uh it's unusual like that like <laughs> the whole movie is still filled with coen brothers hilarious yes. unforgettable side characters it's just that the tone of the movie mm -hmm. has to delicately balance on this mm -hmm. heightened sense of life and death and perilousness but people are still oddballs that you meet there are still weird people like the crazy nurse that nurse ratchet gem was just talking about like these people exist <laughs> in your life and you stumble upon them and I think it balances it so well. And like Gene Jones could totally have been, you know, the gas station proprietor could have totally been one of those weird guys. It's just like a normal quaint diminutive existence mm -hmm. guy, just there casually trying to have a conversation. Cause that's all he does all, all the time is that's how he maintains his connection to the world. And so, yeah, I love that about Carla Jean's mother, that she's just such a colossal pain in the ass because to her, like the life and death stakes of this movie are immaterial. It's just another example of Llewellyn being a shit and her having to, <laughs> you know, having to look after a daughter. Like I, I love her in this movie. Uh, wow. I want to hear us talk about it. Cause she's great. I love the prednisone line, which <laughs> I think is so good because my grandma, 
uh, needed prednisone for a few things. We have like a genetic thing. And so I just love the detail of, of mentioning the prednisone because it's like this woman is tough as fucking nails. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Prednisone might set her off more. She probably needs it for <laughs> asthma or whatever she has. But it was just I love that little detail about her, too. Yes. I, the thing about her is, I mean, first of all, I think every woman in this film has hard bark on her, right? I yes. Don't yes. You don't uh, you don't run into anybody who doesn't basically, but certainly none of the women. Um, there's mm -hmm. the amazing scene uh, where Anton Sugar goes to find out where Llewellyn works. And the, the, the did you not hear me? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, the, and the hotel clerk who is. Just, yes. She's the best. Yes. But, the other thing about Carla Jean's mom is that she is not wrong. First of all, she does yeah. have cancer. She's going yeah. on the run while she has, and, and, and she's clearly oh, late cancer. stage. Yes, <laughs> and I like how she puts the, the in front of it. I have the <laughs> she's cancer. She's got the cancer. Um, <laughs> and she's clearly in, in her end stages because she dies very yeah. soon afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think they make a big deal of this in the film. In the book, it's a little more apparent. There's uh, Llewellyn and... Uh, Carla Jean has, has a very large age gap. He is a guy who who came into town and like married her, I believe, when she's 17. I could be wrong about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the mom is looking at this older guy who's rolling into town. And now all of her fantasies of him where he's decided to risk everybody's lives so he can have two million dollars. <laughs> From her point of view, where is she wrong? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah, you get that completely. Can you imagine telling your mom, like, first of all, older guy and then oh he you know he stole some money for some drug dealers or you know because she can't really tell her mom she can't tell her anything this is happening and then it, no. that's, the, that's even worse because if she tells the yeah. truth it's bad but if it, it just saying that we've got to we've got to get out of town because Llewellyn's in a bit of trouble that makes it even worse because it's like I told yes. you that I told you this yeah. and, and she's got no patience and she should just be unrelenting and so then mm -hmm. it's just like He's like, yeah, just deal with it. You know, you've already been dealing with it for years. It's fine. We're going to be fine in this. Oh my god. Well, we might have to come back again. Look, uh, I have to say, <laughs> I've, I've, I, I am spoiled that I have these people in my life. And uh, uh, for anyone who's listening, and so what happens is when we start catching up, we just shoot the shit for like part of the time that we should be recording. So then we only get a short amount of time to record, but this movie is something that's like a boundlessly interesting movie to me. So I think maybe we'll pause our next conversation for a few months. If we decide that we think of 10 more things to talk about, to cover on our list, we can maybe uh, inspire another chat, but I love you guys. Thank you so much for chatting to me about this movie. It's, and again, uh, it's, it's just fascinating. It's an incredible film. I just, I'd, yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't watch the whole thing again. I watched, I watched like Jordan. I watched clips. I just went and clipped through different things that I wanted to see again, and I'm just still endlessly fascinated with it. It's mm -hmm. so rewarding. Try not to, you know, if you've got a good streaming service, get on that, watch it. It's fantastic. Um, in the meantime, if you want to hear more from my lovely friends, and you're not a patron of One Heat Minute Productions, Rum and Rant, go to Jen's personal website film intuition or just search watch with jen on all of your podcasting platforms jen and i have a series that we're developing for next year midnight run through we're going to be it's going to be lots of us together which is really exciting and jordan's last king of california novel is out in the uk you can get it from the book depository.com all over the world i got it in oz it is was sitting behind me oh that's why because i'm reading it um again <laughs> again i used to I, last time i read it was in a word document and he's incredible 
follow-up uh, everybody knows is out January next year. Guys, thank you so much for being a part of the show again. I love you both so much. Love you, Blake. Thank you for having us. Yes. Always good to talk to both of you guys. Yeah. Indeed. Thanks for having us anytime. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.